0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is a sermon on November 17, 2019. Invest in the Foundation is part four of the five-part worship series, Invest in the Story, The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. Friends, we're reading through Acts for the year to look at how the early church can teach us about the church we are today and the church that God calls us to be in the future. And we're in Acts 9. So for the last two weeks, we have looked at Saul's conversion story on the road to Damascus. And this will be the last that we see of Saul until 2020. And here in this passage, Saul is trying to embody the new story that he is living out for Jesus. So here are these words from Acts 9. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and argued with the Hellenists, but they were attempting to kill him. When the believers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up. Living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week, Disney Plus was released. Did anybody get Disney Plus? It's like Netflix, except Disney owns it. Kind of like how they own almost everything. So Disney Plus came out. It's this new streaming service where they have over 90 years worth of thousands of hours of cartoons and movies and TV shows. And it's right there on your smart TV or your computer or on your smartphone. And they launched with 10 million subscribers last week. Uh, So this is a pretty big deal. This means, so Generation X and millennial people, you can now show your kids all of those great Disney cartoons that you grew up with after school. That means Silent Generation and Boomers, you can now show your grandkids, Fess Parker as Davy Crockett, all you want. (laughs) It means Generation Z kids, you can show us whatever that new stuff is. We don't get it, we didn't grow up with it, but I'm sure you like it, so we'll sit there with you on it. Uh, now, now that you know that you can get Disney Plus and every generation can show the other generations their favorite shows, I have now either enhanced or ruined your Thanksgiving gatherings in a week. So, one of the great shows that's on Disney Plus now is called the Imagineering Story. It's this documentary on how Disney Studios made Disneyland and other amusement parks. And you can see their stops and starts and their trial and error as they tried to perfect what they're doing. And and something's very clear in all this. Disney does nothing by accident. It's all very carefully, intentionally crafted. It's grounded in a core foundation of philosophy. And that even includes it's a small world after all. Imagineering is this word that's a portmanteau. It combines imagine and engineering and puts them together. And they say that this is the blending of creative imagination with creative know-how. And this is how they articulated their staff. Their staff were Imagineers, and the work they did is Imagineering. And Disney combines caring product for all generations. They combine it with uh, engineered systems, and a creative vision and imagination. And all three of those elements are essential to make Disney work. And that's why I've had to watch Frozen 900 times with my kids, because they make it work. By the way, any roller coaster fans in here? Any roller coaster fans? Uh, it's fascinating in that documentary to watch how they perfected uh, different roller coasters. Some of the ones that they created are the most innovative roller coasters ever imagined. And I love a roller coaster because you get that, that feeling, you know, when you're going up, it's, you're both afraid and excited at the same time. So you can feel it, and there's like afraid, but you're also filled with awe. And there's that trembling either way as you have this mix of emotions. When it comes to fear... Saul experienced fear toward him in today's passage. Remember, he used to persecute the Jews uh, who believed in Jesus. He would arrest them, drag them out of their homes, take them away. And now he has his conversion. He's struck blind, he's healed by God through Ananias, and he's out there preaching the gospel. But the people who hear him, not all of them know if they can trust the story. And now he arrives in Jerusalem, and he attempts to join the apostles, and they fear him. They have cared for each other. They have their systems, their way of doing it, and they can't vision how Saul could be the real deal. It's hard to trust someone if all you know about them is their worst mistakes. But God knows each of us fully. In the story, Barnabas vouches for Saul, and they trust him because they trust Barnabas. And it's a fascinating little piece of foreshadowing uh, where we get this payoff because way back in Acts 5, there was this young man named Joseph, and he brought gifts to the apostles to distribute to anybody who had need, and they were so encouraged by this that the apostles gave this young man a new name, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And here now, he is Encouraging them to trust Saul, this new convert to Jesus. It goes on to say, living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the early church increased their numbers. Now, that whole living in fear of the Lord, I don't know about you, I've had problems with that phrase in my life. I'm supposed to fear the Lord, fear God. I don't know if you've ever scratched your head at that one, I have. Uh, I don't know. Am I supposed to fear that if I don't do it right, God's going to, like, send a lightning bolt on me? Is that what I'm supposed to be afraid of? I don't know. Really, that Greek word there for fear is phobos. Can you hear phobia? Can you hear that English derivative there? So it's, it's a word that has many meanings. Sometimes it means fear, like terror fear, but also it means reverence, and it means awe, so that when we are have, uh, talking about fearing the Lord, maybe it's this tr- uh, trembling mixture of, oh my gosh, what's going on, as well as this awe and reverence for God, this trembling of emotions, kind of like a roller coaster. Disney mixes caring product, engineered systems in organization, and vision of imagination. And these three are together in Scripture. So if we think about this story, the apostles, they care about each other, right? Like spiritual shepherds to support one another in those rough early days of the church. The care is there. And then the apostles, they've got their systems for spreading the gospel. They're organized for how they're spreading to Judea and Galilee and Samaria and beyond. They're building some track for their train. And then we've also got apostles needing Barnabas to give them this new vision of Saul to see beyond his past, and to imagine a new future as fellow siblings in Christ. Spiritual shepherds, system task organizers, and vision criers, three leadership needs that serve the early church. They serve our church today, and they'll serve our church tomorrow. Many of you have heard by now that we are doing the MCCI, which is the Missional Church Consultation Initiative. It's this uh, program that we're using to help uh, jumpstart us into the next life cycle of our church. I'm not going to go into extravagant detail because many of you either received or will shortly receive your stewardship letter, which has a whole letter detailing about MCCI and what we've been doing so far. Uh, But I will say a couple things. MCCI is not a program that was dropped on us by the annual conference. Rather, it's an intentional way that we can all ask and listen, what are our next steps, God. Each month we get assignments. Homework, I love homework. I get most of the homework, so don't worry about it, I get most of it. Uh, and then I had to report back to different teams. Now some of the homework is for teams, and we're still developing some of those teams, help to have most of those in place really soon. But then there's a small few pieces of homework that are for everybody, where it's an all hands on deck kind of homework. So we have one of those today. It's called the Primary Leadership Components Assessment, and it's an assessment that we need everybody in our church to please take. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward with this assessment. I know that this is not something that we typically do in worship, but we're going to give this a shot. Uh, We have two different ways to take this. What this is going to do is help everybody see the spiritual leadership that we have got Uh, as individuals, so we can look at the big picture for what does that look like for our church. So if you need a paper copy, if you could raise your hand, the ushers will get you a paper copy, and if you want to do it on your phone, you can go to this website, and you can do it on your phone. We're going to take about four minutes together to try this assessment out, and then we're going to get everybody their data back so that we can look at the big picture of how we are spiritual shepherds, how we are system task organizers, and how we are vision criers for our church. So uh, you can go to this link, richfieldumc.org, MCCI on your smartphone. I know some of you have your smartphone in worship. I've seen you on them. <laughs> and then if you need a paper copy, we have paper copies too. This is a great way for every single person to take a look at your gifts. Now here's the thing. It's not a test. It's an assessment and it's your own opinion on yourself so you can't be wrong there are no wrong answers i like that part too essentially what you're going to do is look at these different statements and you're going to decide on 12 no more no less you'll pick 12 that most describe who you are you can't be wrong this is your own opinion about yourself so 12 statements of who you are. And guests, you can participate too. Just go ahead and check guests, and we can get you your data as well, while we're also looking at our big picture data as a church. We're going to give you about four minutes or so. For some of you, it'll be too much time. For some of you, it won't be enough. Uh, And as I continue with the sermon, you can uh, keep on going if you haven't finished yet. So thank you so much for your participation. I think that we're going to get a lot out of this. I'm really excited to see what this says about our church. So thank you so much. As some of you continue to wrap up, please go ahead and continue to wrap up to find your twelve statements. But I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story as I heard it. Sue Nelson Kibby is the person who created MCCI, and she's the one who also created this assessment. And she's encouraging churches to take this so we can see how we play a role in our church. She told the MCCI pastors a story about three of her childhood pastors while she was growing up. When she was a little girl, she had a pastor who uh, was one of the most caring people she has ever met in her life. The joke around town was this pastor would already be at the hospital long before you had even thought about checking in, and he'd be waiting there for you. He was the kind of pastor who everybody in town wanted him to do your funeral, whether you went to the church or not. And this was a church, a time in the life of the church, where everybody felt so cared for, like a big, warm hug. It was tremendous care they had to admit, yeah, they didn't get stuff done really well. They didn't do a lot of stuff, and they certainly weren't doing anything new. But they were definitely feeling very, very cared for in that time few years later, because it's a Methodist church, the itinerancy uh, system that pastor leaves, the next pastor comes up, and she said she'll never forget this pastor goes ahead and walks right up the aisle, this tall, thin, like a black cape kind of robe, almost like Severus Snape for you Harry Potter fans, and he goes right up the center aisle, and he goes to the front, and he turns around with this book under his arm, and you can see it's really worn here on the shoulder where it meets the elbow. Any idea what the book was, by the way? Someone said the Bible is the Book of Discipline. And this pastor goes up there on this first day. His first words are, I have noticed that we are lacking many of the required committees as required by our Book of Discipline. We will change this immediately. And this pastor helped them get all of their systems in place. So suddenly they had the teams they needed to get things done. They had systems to get things done, and the church was getting things done. Uh, Outreach in their neighborhood, uh, things were more streamlined, it was simplified, and it was great to have this kind of uh, track for the train. They did have to admit that this pastor, uh, in this time, they got the things that they wanted to do done. They weren't doing anything new but they were getting what they wanted to get done, and they weren't necessarily getting the pastoral care that they'd usually gotten. In fact, Sue said that this pastor's idea of marital counseling was you would, you would fill out a little survey, send it to him, and then he would fill out his response and mail it back to you, and that's how he did marital counseling. So they admit they weren't getting that care, but they were definitely getting things done. After he left, she had another pastor when she was a senior in high school and this pastor came in and he was a young pastor who was going out there and he gave what she said was the most dynamic sermon she's ever heard in his life, her life, where he got out and talked about the potential for the future of this church and all the new exciting things that they could do and the church was inspired and they did tons and tons of new things, just really fresh and bold everywhere you look. They had to admit that while they were doing great new fresh bold things, they weren't always necessarily organized in how to do that. And they also had to admit, no, that care was different than it had been. It wasn't the same kind of care. So then Sue goes off to seminary, and on her first day of seminary, she gets her first seminary assignment. It's to go back to your uh, room, write a one-page paper, and bring it back tomorrow. And the one-page paper is, what's the role of the pastor in the life of the church? And she goes to her word processor, and she thinks, what is it? Is it the spiritual shepherd who makes everybody feel so cared for at all times? Is it the systems task organizer who gives us track for the train so we can get stuff done? Is it the vision crier who's got bold dreams for the hope of the future of the church? And of course the answer is yes. It's all three of those things. And every single one of us has a gift of one of those three areas. We all probably have it to some degree in all three, but we also probably lead with one. Some of us, when we take this assessment and we compile the data and get it back to you later this year, we'll be able to find out, um, maybe some of you are like just extraordinary spiritual shepherds. Maybe some of the people in our parish care teams are real spiritual shepherds. Maybe some of you who are helpful to get things organized, you're our systems tasks people. You're the ones who are getting that track on the train for us. And maybe some of you are the vision criers. You're helping us look at what's next for the church. What's in the future? What is hopeful about tomorrow? Some of us might be kind of balanced. Personally, I am, a, uh, if I recall correctly, I'm a 4-3-5. I'm a 4 on the spiritual shepherd, 3 on systems tasks, and 5 on vision. And if you've known me for the last few months, that might not surprise you. But uh, we want to see where you are. Because in January, we're going to take a time out with all three of those and look at each of those week by week in January so we can see what are our gifts and graces we're giving to our church and how can that help us all together to move forward. Disney's got this threefold foundation because without carrying content, it's not Disney. And without an organized system of engineering, they don't have that Disney magic touch. And without something new, they don't have that Disney soul. The early church had the threefold foundation. They needed spiritual shepherds to support each other through becoming the church. They needed systems so they could spread the love of Jesus. And they needed vision to imagine who was on the team, including this new convert, Saul. And our church has a threefold foundation. We have spiritual shepherds because we care for one another. We've got system task organizers because we need track for the train and we need vision criers because we're listening to where God is leading us next. We may get a roller coaster of fear and awe and we will tremble, but we'll do it together because all of you are one of these and we need all of you. Everyone will get the results back later this year in January. I already said that part. Here's some examples though, perhaps this, spiritual shepherds, we have 48 people on our five pastoral teams who are receiving regular training and they're making 300 pastoral care visits a year. Our systems task organizers, look at our elected leader teams. We have trustees in SPRC and finance and ad board who are building structure to carry out our mission. And our vision criers, we've got people who are dreaming through challenges to see possibility for new neighborhood events and social justice outreach. Sue Nelson-Kibbe told the MCCI pastors this. She said, you show me a church in plateau or decline, I'll show you a church where either one of these is missing or dominating. And friends, we are going to use this assessment to see our balance so that we can do something with it really well. It's a threefold foundation, but it's one future together in Jesus. So please pray on your primary assessment leadership gifts. Please pray on your commitment financially for the church in 2020. Please pray to remember your baptism and be thankful, and pray for the future of our church united and encouraged in Christ. May it be so, and amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2019. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.